Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Fatherlessness in America. You know, there are very, very few people in the world that would take the position that the presence of a father in the life of a child or in the home is unimportant, unnecessary. Very, very, very few people would say to that. In contrast, the world is pretty well in agreement that children need the presence of both parents. And in the absence of one parent, there are ways to compensate. There are ways to bridge the gap, so to speak, so that the child does experience the benefit of both parents. Now, to be sure, some parents offer more benefit than others. But generally speaking, fathers have a unique benefit in the life of a child. Mothers have a unique benefit in the life of a child. And together, they have a unique benefit in the life of a child. In fact, it's that togetherness that is even a greater contribution to the life of a child than either parent can provide separately or individually. Now, what is the statistic today? You know, in America, 46% of the children live in a home where they grow up with biological parents being together. 46%. So let's just kind of, for the sake of discussion, say it's 50%. 50% of the kids have both parents in the home. 50% of the kids have an absent parent from the home in various combinations and various ways. So we are not particularly different than other parts of the world. You know, that's about one in three children today in the American home that does not have a father in that home. One in three. So it's a major phenomenon. It's a major profile of our American family, an absent father. Now, that wasn't always the case. You go back 50 years, you back, go back 100 years, and certainly we do not have this kind of statistic at all. We have rarely a home without both parents. But that's not the case today. And it probably will not be the case tomorrow and in the near future. So what is the deal regarding this absent father or the fatherlessness issue in America? Now, there are homes that are naturally um, structured where the father is gone. By death is an example. Father dies. Then who steps into the gap? Well, there are many that can. Some do, some don't. But we have this fatherlessness because of the death of a father. But we also have fatherlessness because of the choice of a father. He chooses not to live with his children. He chooses not to live with the mother of the children, his wife, his partner. In other words, the father is the one that chooses to absent himself and sometimes makes provisions to maintain a relationship with the children, sometimes does not make those provisions, sometimes make provisions for somebody else to step into the gap, and sometimes does not. But there's a choice factor that some men absent themselves from the home. There is another choice factor in which it's the spouse 
who removes the father from the life of a child. We call this parent alienation syndrome. When a mother works to uh, pro protect, so to speak, at least in her mind, protect a child from a father's absence and a father's behavior patterns. So she does everything she can to eliminate the father from the life of the children, even changes their name, will not let them call him father, will not let them see the father, will not let them visit the father, will not let them even speak of the father, and so on. Parenting alienation syndrome is a criminal behavior on the part of mothers who remove a child from the father and remove the father from the child in deliberate actions, you know, to do so. I think it's an immoral, I think it's an illegal, I think it's, it's a uh, behavior pattern that mothers uh, do and sometimes don't understand the total significance of it, long-term implications of it. Some fathers absent themselves because of their addiction. They're much more addicted to sex, they're much more addicted to alcohol, drugs, addicted to gambling, addicted to other kind of behavior patterns, addicted to other women. So they absent themselves from the home and they absent themselves from the life of their own children. In other words, it's more important for them to have another woman in their life than to have a child in their life. And, of course, children themselves can remove themselves from a father. They don't like the father. or They've been led to believe that the father is not a likable person and should not be liked and should not be pursued. And kids themselves remove themselves from the father and then have an absent father, you know, from their life. In other words, there's many, many ways in which a father can be absent from the home and absent from the life of a child. But nonetheless, there's a great impact upon kids. However it takes, however it comes about, however it unfolds, there's an enormous impact upon the life of a child. In other words, we know that when parents are involved in the life of a child, both parents, whether they're living in the home or at least maintain a relationship, even if the one is outside the home, we know that children with involved dads are more emotionally secure and more confident. Considerable amount of research underscores the emotional security and the emotional competence and confidence that children with both father and mother you know, have. It's better if they're in the same home together, but if they're not, at least the father's involved and, and sees the children on a regular basis. We also know that when both parents are involved, and particularly when there's a father involved, the relationships that that child forms with not only the parent, but forms beyond the home with friends and peers are much more healthy and much more stable and much more uh, favorable for the long term. In other words, children form relationships beyond the home, and they do it better if they have a, an involved father and an involved mother. Fathers also teach a lot of different kind of behaviors. Often we see fathers are the ones that help control, help a child control his anger. 
help control aggressiveness in the home or in the playground or wherever. Develop healthful or healthy sexuality values and behavior patterns. Help in the communication patterns of children as they grow up. Verbal and nonverbal communications. In other words, fathers contribute an enormous amount to the social development, to the social skill development of their children by being involved in the lives of a child, preferably in the home, but certainly involved in the life of a child, even if they're outside of the home, but maintain that close relationship with their children. So parents, both parents, are the building blocks of the life of a child, emotionally, socially, physically, in their value system, sexuality, educationally, in all areas of their life. Children with both parents involved do better in life, do better in all areas of their life than children who have the absent father syndrome. Unfortunately, there are children who just have no father in their life for many reasons, as I've just identified. It's best if a child have and has an involved parent. And mothers, if you don't have a husband or the father is not in the home, it's your responsibility to see that that father is involved, is included in the life of the children. Don't exclude the father from the life of a child. Just don't do that. Sometimes that needs to be structured. Sometimes that needs to be uh, monitored. Sometimes that needs to be controlled a little bit. That's true. That's how, there are times when that's the case. But a father's contribution is still positive, even if it's minimal, and even if it's structured and managed. So it's important that fathers have this kind of connection with their children. Now, there are many homes in which there is a divorce, and of course, the issue of custody of the child comes up, and the issue of parental relationships with the children, you know, is, a, is, it, is an issue that has to be discussed and decided. So, there are various ways of doing that, is to make sure that we have visitation privileges and visitation arrangements. I don't like the word visitation. I prefer it not to be that way, but that's often the way that it's defined by the courts and the legal system. It's better to refer to it as the way in which both parents contribute to the life of a child, some more, some less. At times it's more the father, and at times it's more the mother. There are times it's equal. Sometimes it's imbalanced. But we have to look at the way in which a child doesn't visit a parent, an absent parent. A child involves himself in the life of an absent parent, perhaps even in a limited manner or a minimal manner, but he still or she is still involved in the life of the parent and the parent in the life of the child. The parent is still the parent. It's not somebody to go to visit. It's somebody to go to become involved in and participate in the life of that parent, so that in the life of the child. An interesting study was done recently in Sweden and published in a publication known as Acta Pediatrica. And this is a Swedish study of um, children raised under different kind of conditions. They have preschool kids, and they asked their teachers to fill out a questionnaire on these preschool kids. 
136 of the children had joint physical custody. In other words, the parents were divorced, but they jointly raised the child, even though they lived separately. 136 of the kids fell into that category. 152 children were living primarily with only one parent, mother or father, but only one parent. And 3,369 of the kids lived in what is known as a nuclear family in which both parents are involved and both parents live in the same home with the children. So we have these three conditions. And then they looked at the questionnaires and how the teachers rated the children in regards to social skills, emotional, emotionality, um, just their relationship skills, just their general feeling of confidence and competence. So when the study was done, and looking at all the different groups of the kids, they found, obviously, which you might expect, that children that were in joint physical custody or in a nuclear family were the ones that had the least social and psychological and emotional problems. Least. In other words, nuclear family is great. Kids do well. They thrive in nuclear family. But kids do better if they're in a joint physical custody arrangement. The ones that did the poorest, they had the most problems, were the one parent relationship. Just one parent. That didn't go very well. Kids need the input of both parents, and kids need the input of the absent father, whether he lives in the home, outside the home, down the street, far apart, far away, wherever it might be, both parents need to be involved in the life of a child. Otherwise, the children begin to develop their emotional and social and psychological problems early in life. And this was in the early grades. It was beginning to show up in the very early grades in this Swedish study. So we need to have an opportunity for fathers to become involved and to stay involved whether they live in the home or not. But you know, when there is not a father because of death or the father just chooses not to be involved, does somebody else step up to the plate? Does a grandfather step in and take over the role of a father? Plays a, a strong and intimate relationship with his children, with his grandchildren? Hopefully so. What about an uncle? Does an uncle step up to the plate and help? Preferably so. What about a friend? What about a neighbor? Do they step up and become a little bit more involved in the life of the children where there is not a father in the home? Hopefully, neighbors and friends would do that. What about teachers? When there's fathers absent, does a male teacher show a little bit more interest? Does a, does a male teacher show a little bit more kindness? Does a male teacher show a little more involvement in the life of a child? Hopefully so. In other words, there are these male substitutes. They aren't the father. They can't be the father. They can't have the impact that the father can have. But they can minimize the ill effects. They can at least provide some of the input that a father might otherwise provide. So it's important that these father substitutes be drawn into the life of a child when, he's, when that child does not have an active father in his life.
and in her life as a child. So there's a high cost of fatherliness. There's a high cost of a minimal involvement. In other words, we need to have fathers involved. We need to have mothers that include the father. We need to have grandparents that are included. We need to have uncles and grandfathers and other people in the extended family involved. Kids need the input of a father. It needs to be provided when it doesn't occur naturally. So there's a high cost of fatherliness in America and in the world. And these are the children that have their problems and will continue to have their problems well into the adult years. And that's not a good thing for them. It's not a good thing for our society. It's not a good thing for our community. We need children who are healthy and strong and confident and competent and have feelings of empathy, feelings of concern for others, and normal behavior patterns, sexuality, social, uh, sociologically, educationally, occupationally, and so on. That's what we need in our world today. And it can come best by the contribution of both mother and dad. Hey, good to have you with me today. Thanks for joining me in the podcast. And um, pick up my book, Doctor, Teach Me to Parent. On my website, booksbyhedberg.com. Booksbyhedberg.com. Go to that website and pick up the book, Doctor, Teach Me to Parent. I have sections in there about helping children live in a world of fatherliness where the absent father, the phantom father, if you will, and other ways to help children develop positive social and emotional skills. So there's a source for you. Bye for now.